Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering you to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway Pierce. of you, wherever in the world you are, greetings to the Zimbabweans, hello to those of you in the United Kingdom, hi to those of you in Germany and everywhere else that you might be. Welcome to the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply by improving the quality of our personal, professional, and spiritual relationships. Now, as you can tell by this introduction, this is an adult show where we are talking about adult topics, so please exercise your discretion if you have young ears around. This topic is not going to be um, one of those where at least I can foresee uh, that being an issue, but um, please do exercise your discretion. Visit thespeedwayshow.com to listen to past shows, see what's coming up, and read and post comments. There are a lot of comments on um, uh, some of our posts, so you might want to join in in those. And if Facebook is more your speed, you can join in the discussion and listen to post-it-on-demand shows on your own time on the fan page, facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. You can also follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash, you guessed it, the Speedway Show. The topic today is why go to temple, why go to masjid, why go to church, and you can actually add any other names that apply to you, the mandir, the synagogue, or any other place of congregational worship. To the extent that we use any of these words alone during the course of the show, we're really talking broadly about the various places and ways of congregational worship. In this day and age, so many of us are busy with our careers, our children, our significant others, and we are trying mightily to manage just that chaos. So who has time to go to church, and why should we? What is the relevance of congregation in our lives these days? Why should I listen to someone tell me how I should be good and be holier than thou when that doesn't help me figure out how to deal with that wife who won't respect me when I get home, or the coworker who is always on me and can't stand me any more than I can stand him or her. Today, we are going to explore these issues and ask some frank questions of our returning guest. Those of you who were here in the first few weeks that this show launched might remember my guest speaker, Sheila Ford. Sheila is an international speaker, author, and coach focused on spiritual growth, leadership, and life planning. Founder and CEO of Mission to Mobilization, LLC, Sheila has authored several books. One is called Love Letters to Him, 52 Poems and Essays Inspiring Intimate Relationships with God. I have personally read this book, and I can tell you firsthand that in this book, Sheila's writing is passionate, quite provocative, and powerfully personal. Another book is called Kingdom Compass, Do You Know Where You Are Going? This particular book launched Sheila's work in India. And her third book is The Country Compass, Mobilizing the Nation Through Acts of Kindness and Service. Would that we all tried to do that. In her project planning work, Sheila reaches corporations to correctional facilities, and her discussions include spirituality, sexuality, sanity, self-worth, and scars, all the interesting S-words, hey? Sheila's domestic work with World Vision includes capacity, community, and relationship development. You can... Check out uh, Sheila's work at loveletterstohim.com, and you can get there by clicking through the link for, uh, if you go to thespeedwayshow.com and you click on this show, you will be able to see that 
link if you forget it, or you can go directly if you remember. And you can also um, go there to learn more about Sheila's work. And Sheila actually has been with us uh, a time or two since the first episode. And uh, if you visit the spirituality category in particular on the com, you can see some of the other shows that Sheila has uh, been on the show and done. The last thing I will tell you about Sheila is I count her and I'm privileged to count her as one of my friends, and uh, it is my privilege to have her on this show. Sheila, welcome to the Speedway Show. Hey, welcome, welcome. It feels good. Thank you. It feels good to be back. Well, now, you and I essentially happened on this topic after the last show we did together. Share with us some of those reasons why this topic is particularly important to you. Well, you know, in a nutshell, I um, represent the church. I mean, I really am the church. And so, uh, you know, I really want to be able to um, kind of answer this question kind of at the top of the hour. So, you know, just in case there's, you know, um, anyone that is unable to stay with us the whole time, this won't be a cliffhanger for them. You know, really the kind of the quick answer to um, kind of why I go to church is um, is that people really need to, to go so they can get direction, affection, or um, and shared projection. And so what I'd say next probably is that the one thing I want people to remember, if they don't remember anything else um, from this show, is that, you know, church is not a place, a building, uh, or, or organized religion, church really is the embodiment of God's spirit in humankind. And so um, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of what um, are some concepts around church, and so maybe that's where you want to go. But I just want to make sure that people um, really get that overall thought. Okay, so what caught my attention in all of that in particular was you said, I am the church and uh which which gets us to let us define this concept of church and you know you know that most of the time when people think about church or uh if you talk to uh Jewish people who go to temple or you know any other uh place of worship most of us think about it as a place and so it is an interesting thing to hear you say, I am the church. Talk to us a little bit more about what that definition entails. Okay, okay, sure. Now, um, I can really only speak on behalf of, and really can't speak on behalf of the church, but from my perspective as mm-hmm. as a leader, as a minister, um, the church, and I use the, the capital C, really is you know what our faith is built upon. And I believe that the church is the expression of God in the earth. Um, that expression really is demonstrated through through people. And that the believer um, that really understands this concept recognizes that their life is one part of the whole of what we call the church. So we're so I am a, a piece of kind of the, the, the whole body, what people call the body of Christ, or one part of the church. Now, there's a huge misconception of the church, and many people that represent the church, um, those that have been misled, hurt, um, or even damaged um, by people which have been the church. So they've been hurt and by the church, but they were, they've been hurt by people. Um, you know, many be- believe the building, um, you know, with a pastor or singers or programs are considered the church, but... And it can be, but that is really only one part of God's expression of himself. Um, I believe that every believer, uh, every person that acknowledges Christ as Savior is considered a part of the church, is considered actually um, the, the, the part of the whole that we call the church. Wow. Well, this takes us to perhaps an obvious question at this point. Uh, you read a manual, uh, life manual. Tell us what that is. <laughs> yes, yes. I uh, my life manual is the Holy Bible. So I believe that 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 manual helps to direct and guide 
uh, my life. And so it is. Um, there's many different translations, but I um, believe in the Holy Bible. In researching this show, I came across some statistics from various sources that quite honestly did not surprise me because I've heard these kinds of numbers before. But uh, for our listeners, uh, they were something they want something like this. According to faithfreedom.org, in Africa alone, 16,000 Muslims leave their faith every day. Some of them convert to Christianity and others just leave entirely. According to the Fuller Institute, Pastoral Care, and George Barna, 4,000 new churches begin each year and 7,000 churches close. We're talking about the physical churches now, right? right. Over 3,500 people a day left the church just last year. And while I couldn't find statistics on how many Jews leave their faith, I did find a book on Amazon.com entitled Off, uh, uh, Off the Direct. I don't know if that's Derek. the right way to say that. Why Observant Jews Leave Judaism and How to Respond to the Challenge. These are just a few examples that illustrate the point that no faith is exempt from the defection of its members. And what we're going to talk about today is some of the reasons why that is, and hopefully give our listeners some perspectives. If you are struggling with these kinds of questions, or maybe you just you just want somebody to give you some reason for why should I be concerned about going to church? And to launch this part of our discussion, I'm going to let you listen to a clip about uh, one man's journey and his explanation about why he drifted away. In other words, by the time I graduated and went out into the world, I was as well-versed in my religion as any secular man I knew. And then... And then I pretty much just walked away from it. It wasn't revolt. It wasn't some tragic loss of faith. It was, if I'm being honest, apathy, a lack of need. My career as a sports writer was blossoming. Work dominated my days. Saturday mornings were spent traveling to college football games, Sunday mornings to professional ones. I attended no services. Who had time? I was fine, I was healthy, I was making money, I was climbing the ladder. I didn't need to ask God for much, and I figured as long as I wasn't hurting anyone, God wasn't asking much of me either. We had forged a sort of you-go-your-way-I'll-go-mine arrangement, at least in my mind. I followed no religious rituals. I dated girls from many faiths. I married a beautiful, dark-haired woman whose family was half Lebanese. Every December, I bought her Christmas presents. Our friends made jokes. A Jewish kid married a Christian Arab. Good luck. Over time, I honed a cynical edge toward overt religion. People who seemed too wild-eyed with the Holy Spirit scared me, and the pious hypocrisy I witnessed in politics and sports, congressmen going from mistresses to church services, football coaches breaking the rules and kneeling for a team prayer, it only made things worse. Besides, Jews in America, like certain devout Christians, Muslims or sorry-wearing Hindus often bite their tongues because there's this nervous sense that somebody out there doesn't like you. And we oh. are back with... <laughs> that got your attention, did it, Sheila? Yes, yes, and I'm, our listeners, too, I'm sure. <laughs> well, there you go. That was actually... Um, we're back as, uh, at the Speedway Show, and that actually came from a, a book by Mitch Album. Uh, who is a very successful sports uh, commentator and turned author. And um, this particular book is called Have a Little Faith. And uh, I, I just thought this was a fascinating clip because I'm guessing that it is so um, common. And probably there are a lot of our listeners out there who can identify with this where maybe they went to church when they were kids and because their parents made them go and because it was expected. And then there just came that point in their lives where they felt like, you know, I'm doing okay. Sheila, what do you think of that? 
Well, you know, to kind of Mitch's point, you know, I mean, it's just, and what I'm finding, there's so many people that are really leaving um, their spiritual bases, you know, today. And the Bible talks a lot about um, kind of this one, there's kind of one main point, but then there, I think there's several sub, sub points around this, that, you know, really we live um, in a world with God representing good and the hope, the justice, the peace. Um, that all the all that is that is right, and then there's evil, there's sin, there's pain, there's division, lust, and hatred, and really, you know, people or mankind has choice. I mean, it just really boils down to that. And as that the Bible really informs me, us as humans, that we're tem- we're tempted, and we are enticed really by our own evil desires. We choose, um, kind of choosing the right. Um, or godly life really isn't easy, and it requires a discipline, and it requires help from God. Um, B, kind of unfortunately, Christians historically have done a lot of evil. You know, there's slavery, incest, molestation, murder, greed, you know, other factors, you know, um, where, you know, Christians have allowed basically back in like 1969 where, you know, prayer was taken out of the schools, in the 70s, where you know sex is televised and openly begins, you know to sell um, sell products, uh, you know very exploitive um, lyrics have become mainstream, and just really a strategic tool to bring division between God and His people, and then really see uh, the the Bible really informs us that the evil one. Uh, many refer to him as Satan, that his time is running out and that he has strategic um, plans and tactics that have really intensified um, with a full pursuit to convert God's people to be blinded from the truth and that, you know, Satan really knows that he's going to die and he is working um, and all that's working with him is going to be going to be taken down. And so um, that these are kind of some main Reasons why people kind of have fallen fallen away. So, in a nutshell, if I were to encapsulate what you just said, then is that people have been misled and people yes. have been deceived um, by perhaps the sort of the change in the culture that would suggest that all of these things that do not bring us. Um, wholesome joy and delight, that, that those unhealthy things that are actually bad for us, um, they have become acceptable and they have become mainstream and we've essentially fallen victim to this line of thinking that, well, you know, these things are okay. Exactly. And, you know, one other point about that is, you know, really you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. And so we we eat um, you know, what we watch on television or what we hear in music or, you know, what is spoken, even what is, you know, in, in, in print. And we're taking that in. So a lot of this, this evil and, you know, constant um, sexual um, behavior, misconduct, that we take that in and then we begin to live that out and we're, we have begun to live that out in our culture. Mm-hmm. When you talk to people in your line of work, what are the needs that you're hearing about that are going unmet by the the church, by congregational worship? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really kind of tied to my original point, you know, where the church, uh, the third point where the church should provide shared projection. You know, it's really important to note that, you know, there's a lot of um, really great work of the church and faith-based organizations that are, that's being done today, you know, organizations that, you know, provide water and food, clothing, housing, counseling. I mean, the list goes on and is very extensive. You know, first, there's really one challenge that goes back to um, individual people make up the church. And the individual church person um, as a whole doesn't read their Bible. They don't read their, their life manual. They don't follow its instructions or, you know, obey the direction to love God and to love one another. Uh, the the church or slash the individual who's a part of the church doesn't take personal responsibility for the work of the church. They put it all on paid staff if there is any, 
you know, they put it on the institution or faith-based program or the government's supposed to do it, you know, to administer um, love and justice in the earth. And, and, you know, secondly, the church is really challenged um, with building relationships. You know, it's often uh, focused um, on gaining new members or, or maybe even paying bills, and they can struggle on being um, disciplined or developing or equipping new Christians to really grow and be sustained in their faith. What alternatives, then, are people turning to to meet these needs? Um, Well, you know, that's really loaded (laughs) and a kind of dynamic um, answer, I think. But, you know, in a nutshell, I believe people are turning to sin or vices. You know, for for example, so you know if there so a lack of intimate relationships, people turn to counterfeits. You know, to one night stands, to friends, you know, with benefits. Um, whereas there's a lack of compassionate support, uh, then maybe a mother may sell herself for food or clothes or rent. Um, if there's a lack of healthy activities in the community. Kids may turn to TV or drugs, electronic sex, cutting themselves, you know, anything really to numb the pain of their dull and often lonely existence. And so people are turning to a a number of things. Well, I guess if I am the church, then that means that I, too, am failing all of those people. Is that or do, do we have that responsibility to each other? We do. We do. I mean, that is um, that is what we're called to, to be helpers one to another and to be a part of love and compassion and mercy and justice in the earth. That is, um, we are the example of what, who and what Christ was in the earth when he was here. And when he left, he left us to to live that out and to be able to administer that to others. Well, then what is it that we should be doing? Well, uh, yeah, right, right, and kind of how can, maybe how can some of the needs be met and how can we support each other? Yeah, because, you know, here's here's the challenge, and, and, and I hear this all the time. When I ask people, so, you know, and, 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 and for for a lot of people it's not just, going to church, right? It's not just going someplace every Friday or Saturday or Sunday or whenever they worship. Uh, oftentimes it's falling away from that relationship with God altogether. And so when I ask, so what happened to you and why did you fall away from people who, who did, mm, the most common answer I get has to do with uh, what you're describing, which is the people over there. So... I stopped going to my church because my pastor was discovered to have uh, been having an affair with one of the people in the congregation, and he was married and had four children. I stopped going to church because I was on the you know leadership group, and I saw what some of the other you know deacons were doing in their personal lives, and it turned me off because I figured out that they were nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Um, and, and on and on. And so you hear a lot of looking towards the people that surrounded me when I went and tried to congregate. And, and when people get disillusioned, oftentimes they tend to, they, they not only leave uh, that process of worship and they take themselves away from it, but they also leave behind the relationship they were trying to build with God altogether. And um, so then part of my question really involves how do we try to ensure that these needs are met? Because if I'm by myself and thinking, well, you know, I am the church and I am the body of Christ, I'm partly thinking, well, what can one little me do to change those kinds of perceptions? Right. So, uh, Also another loaded question. (laughs) You no, can answer any part of that question that you right, like. Right. No, no, it's all it's all good. So um the the first thing is 
that we really need to identify, you know, that or, or you know, you identify your role as part of the church as part of the solution. I mean, having to say that and, you know, kind of back to the point that I was saying before, that it's not somebody else's responsibility. It is not paid staff. It is not the pastor, the singers at the building that I, as, um, you know, in terms of church worship or worship, excuse me, worship and relationship with God, intimacy with God, is about me taking the responsibility um, that I am a part of the solution. I mean, you know, three years ago when I wrote Country Compass, um, mobilizing the world through acts of kindness, that was, you know, that was even to people that were not necessarily believers. They didn't have to be someone that went to church to be able to identify with that work and just thinking about, you know, I uh, I don't have to even profess or go to a church to be kind, you know, to my neighbor, um, to, to to go next door and, and to find out if there's you know, some elderly that needs assistance or, you know, do some lawn um, activity or chores, you know, for someone down the block, you know, that we can find um, someone else to join even with us as we kind of do this shared projection. So I could be by myself or I could do it with, you know, two or three other people, and so I'm I'm a part of that help. You know, and then another thing is really reading the our life manual, reading the Bible. I mean, there are so many ways that there are examples of how um, we personally, you know, there were individuals that actually changed the course of history because they decided, you know, to to um, to love or to be compassionate or to to change um, the way they were thinking based on you know the direction of God. And, uh, you know, I think about the very first church, which is in the book of Acts. I mean, those were uh, it's plenty of ex- – there's plenty of examples of how that first church really lived out being um, the body, you know, collectively. Um, and it even talks about how they added to their, to their numbers daily and that no one in the community ever lacked anything, um, that they, there was always support for one another. And, you know, the other thing is really – I really believe that people need to pick a side. You know, they they need to decide that either they're going to be, you know, they're going to serve God and they're going to stick with God or they're going to, you know, be with Satan or the evil one. Because when you flip-flop back and forth, you're you're um, unstable really in all your ways. And so if I decide I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be a part of the church, I'm going to be a part of the solution, I start moving in that direction. You know, there, there's even a, a, a scripture that says um, that um, so ever how a man thinketh or how a woman thinketh, so is he, so is she. So what do you think in your mind? If you think in your mind that you're going to be a part of the solution, if you think that you're going to be a part of the change that is needed um, to show love and compassion, then you will be. And so I, I believe that that's, that's a start. That is a really a really healthy start in how just one person really can make a difference, you know, in our in our community on behalf of the work of the church. Okay, so on the one hand, I'm thinking to myself, hey, this suddenly became a pretty manageable task because it is not what you're suggesting is is not that I have to go and convince people to go back to that place of worship wherever it is they go, but simply that what I can do in my, you know, little space, whatever that space is, and my circle of influence is that I can be that uh, representation of God's love mm-hmm. even uh, without necessarily um, talking people into going back to a place of worship. Is that right? That is 100% right. And, and I truly believe that the best, um, pr- message preached is the modeled message, is the living example. And so, if I'm living out um, love and compassion and and uh, forgiveness, unconditional you know love, that someone is going to see that on me, and they are going to hear that much more loudly. If I'm saying that correctly, they're gonna they're gonna hear that lot more than they would if I try to preach to them and tell them you should do this, that, or so. Because, you know, what I find is that people generally will not necessarily respond to what you tell them. Right. But they they will respond to how you treat them. 
Yes, yes. And so if what I really want is I want to model that behavior or I want to get people thinking that that behavior is a good thing, then I don't get there by lecturing and trying to reason uh, that the best way that I get there then is really by demonstrating, which takes, frankly, takes the pressure off of me from having to reason and logic people into thinking a certain way. Right, and if we and if we stay with the premise that I am the church, then we're wanting them, huh, we want them to come to us, but not come to us because they're going to come to worship us, but they're coming to us to see that example of, you know, the Bible talking about being an example, you know, being a, a change agent, and then we then point them to God, the true source of, you know, life and power and um, the joy of of living, you know, in the earth. And so um, going to church is really um, being allowing someone to be able to uh, to come to a relationship with us where they can really see what the church really looks like and they don't have to um, ever physically go to a building for them to have church or to be in church. Well, this is a perfect segue to a clip. And, um, I, you know, I was going to play a different clip, and I, I, as you were talking, I thought, wait just a minute, I think I have an even better one. Okay. So I, I, I tracked down this particular clip, and uh, we're going to do this by way of experiment because I didn't have a chance to vet it and hear it and make sure that it is what it purports to be and claims to be. So I'm okay. going to um, just go on faith, and I'm going to push play, and hopefully <laughs> this is the clip that I was hoping for. Take a listen. When I was growing up in the Bronx, the Reb said, everyone knew everyone. Our apartment building was like family. We watched out for one another. I remember once as a boy, I was so hungry and there was a push cart by our building. I tried to nudge the cart so an apple would fall into my hand. That way it wouldn't feel like stealing. Suddenly I heard a voice from above yelling at me in Yiddish, Albert, it is forbidden. I jumped. I thought it was God. Who was it, I asked. A lady who lived upstairs. I laughed. Not quite God. No, Mitch, but you see, we were part of each other's life. If someone was about to slip, someone else could catch him. That's the critical idea behind a congregation. We call it Kehila Kadosha, a sacred community. We're losing that now. The suburbs have changed things. Everyone has a car. Everyone has a million things scheduled. How can you look out for your neighbor? You're lucky to get a family to sit down for a meal together. He shook his head and hooked his bony fingers together. The Reb was generally a move-with-the-times guy, but I could tell he didn't like this form of progress at all. Well, I am feeling kind of pleased because actually yes. that was exactly the clip that I was trying to get. And I thought it illustrated so directly and so much on point what you've been saying when you talk about, you know, I am the church, and that essentially the idea that congregation isn't about a place, it is about a community. Exactly. It, it, that's exactly what it is. And, and you know, and so, um, people have been hurt and, and abused and misled, you know, by the misconception that, you know, what happened at the church is God, and it can get um, tainted because the people there do represent the church and they do represent God, but that is not the true essence, um, that, that hurt or abuse, you know, or misleading is not um, the true essence of who God is and what he um, wants people to be able to experience, you know, in the earth. So, in other words, even though we are supposed to serve as the representatives of God, that to the extent that we don't, um, then the people around us should not mistake that for God doing something to you. Would that be would that be fair? Because what I would say to those people who say, "Well, I stopped going to church because." Uh, so and so did such and such. Then you know the res- 
what you're suggesting is that the response really is that was one person who did one thing, but that should not stand in the way of your relationship with God because that wasn't God acting. Exactly. That's 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 exactly it. It uh, it was you know back to you know evil desires and um, you know people's own uh, ideas of uh, or, or pains or scars um, acting out of their own deficiencies you know in in an environment that often caused them to cause pain for others you know and not um, falling in line with or being aligned with, you know, the direction that God would have for us to live out. You know, I mean, I mean, really a healthy church, um, you know, can be, um, there, one, there, there are many healthy churches, and um, there really are anywhere where two or three people are gathered together um, in God's name. God says that he will be um, in the midst of them. And so, you know, really just it takes for a healthy church, um, just th- those people, you know, humility before God, people's hearts really are aligned. They have a desire for God's spirit to to um, visit and be in that place where they are. And, you know, that place is really where a place where lives are changed. People are healed. The relationship with God um, and others are deepened. And, you know, so, I mean, really this is why people should attend church, this is why they should want to be in communion um, with one another, and if a person isn't experiencing that, um, then they need to, they need to find somewhere where that is happening, and so, and back to your point, instead of um, so many people make excuses or get frustrated and say, you know, I'm not going because of this or that, well, they have choice, and if those things, if it is an unhealthy environment, an unhealthy church, then they need to um, they need to change where they are and um, move towards um, even if it's something as simple as two or three people where they can allow God to really um, engulf them. One of the things that uh, I, this, what you said reminds me of a show and listeners, I'm just going to put a plug in for this show if 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 you missed it on September the 11th of this year, I did a show called. Uh, Why Me, Lord? And it explored all, well, not all the reasons, but some of the major reasons why bad things happen to good people. And one of the first answers for that was, you know, bad things happen to good people because of choice, because of the choices that other people make that may influence your life. So if you have, uh, you may have a, a a person who chooses to get drunk and then get behind the wheel of a car and impact somebody, either you or somebody in your family. Uh, 9-11 occurred. The incident back in 2001 happened because there was was a group of people who made certain choices and they put those choices into action. And that resulted in the people dying who were killed in, in New York. And so it is a powerful, powerful thing, and I do want to just make the point that, you know, personal choice is such a, it's a big responsibility, but it is not something that we should ever underestimate because it it does impact us and, and the people that other, the choices that other people make around us make such a big difference and can influence us. And, and Sheila, what I'm hearing you saying is recognize that within a a, a church body, within a congregation, uh, any group of people, you're going to have people who make choices and that we should not be discouraged or swayed or we should not allow our relationship with God to be hindered by those choices that other people make. And... Um, you know, that's. I think that's a very valid point, which gets me to my direct question to you, which is, um, you know, the last time you were on the show, we talked about the what it takes to develop an ultimate and personal relationship with God. And if we broaden that question for anyone who attends a place of religious worship, the the question then becomes, you know, in your experience and observation, does this kind of attendance if somebody's going to temple, to church, to wherever they go, 
on a regular basis, does that attendance equate to developing uh, or deepening that relationship with God? Well, you know, I mean, attending a physical place of worship in and of itself does not develop or deepen, a, uh, in my opinion, deepen a personal relationship with God. I mean, going to church in the typical sense, it should contribute to, it should move people toward and strongly encourage that relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some places of worship provide that, some do not. Um, when it when it doesn't happen, uh, unfortunately, people walk away often feeling, you know, empty or, or used or abused. I mean, it, it requires really that we um, build, we have to have that personal time with God. I've talked before about um, reading the life manual, being in communion with one another, um, even having shared projection, so, you know, having shared projects with others, being um, accountable to one another, um, in communion with one another, that helps to deepen, you know, our relationship um, with God. And, and church, a, a physical place, can can never do that. You that it can happen. It, that that physical place can be a byproduct. Um, um, our being able to connect with others to to make that happen. You know, the the other thing I was I was thinking about um, that we don't have time to discuss now, but, you know, another reason why sometimes um, people stop uh, going to church is, you know, because they feel used. Um, and that really could be even for a whole other show, but, you know, I really want people, for the audience to really know that, you know, when we're um, in relationship with God or we're attending um, church that we should serve out of love, that, you know, we don't have to do anything, um, we don't have to prove anything, we don't have to, um, you know, build up a good account with God for him to to do something for us, that um, our focus really should be on being and being in love with him um, so that that really kind of the direction that we get, the affection that we feel, the projection of, of our service really becomes kind of the overflow of God's download and his desire to give um his love to us, you know, as we're, you know, preparing for his return. Um uh, one other thing I was I thought about is, you know, how the 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 challenge with the church and people being challenged with, you know, going to church and what happens with the church is that a lot of times people go to church for the wrong reason. And so, um, you know, someone Sometimes they they go because they're looking for a mate. Um, sometimes people go because they're bored, and so they're looking for activities. Uh, they may go because they need programming for their kids. Uh, sometimes <laughs> people, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. And then sometimes, you know, people they they like the music or they think, oh, that's a great, you know, speaking style, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, the the challenge with this is that these motivators are wrong, and they will eventually leave you know, the attender empty or unfulfilled because the when the needs aren't met. And so it's just so important that um, our motivation for attending church, being in communion, in community with, um, with one another is focused on um, being in communion with God and that we should be able to experience that. Um, through the relationships that we have with one another. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you what the proper context and purpose for the place of worship uh, was, and and I think you just gave us the answer to that question. So if I'm trying to sort out for myself what it is that I am going to church for, um, you know, in my church they serve coffee and donuts on Sunday and they're really good And part of my tradition is I like to walk in and I get my donut And I get my coffee and I go into the I go into the sanctuary And this is just part of the comfort Of the process of being there And um, it's not why I go but it, it's it's Certainly part of the enjoyment that I get Out of going in fairness um, But 
I guess what I'm what I'm inferring is that to the extent that I'm going to a place that truly that is supposed to serve as a facilitator for you know learning more about this God that I worship, and uh, it should serve as hopefully an encouragement for me to stay on this path. But it also is my responsibility to get there and be a a positive contributor to the lives and the experiences of the people that are there with me. Is that fair? Yeah, it it is. It is. And, you know, I, I keep, um, I've gone back a couple times to the first church, which is in the book of Acts, because I, I really feel like that was a wonderful example of um, the new believers um, that, you know, Christ had left, and they were all now kind of working together as that very first church. And, and what they did, you know, they, I mean, they worshiped together, they together, they um, gave money to each other whenever there was a need. I mean, they lived in community with, with each other, and um, they were able to one another's, bear one another's burdens. They laughed with each other. They mourned. They inspired. They encouraged each other to good works. Uh, the really that and the the full purpose um, was they were trying to be able to help the believers grow in their spiritual life. I mean they were helping one another to grow, and it was by hearing um, the the truth of God's word. They prayed for each other. Um, they were holding one another accountable um, for the life that they professed, um, and they um, were able to receive and give prayer with we, with one another. And so you know that. That should happen, you know, in a uh, believing body. That is what's supposed to happen, and oftentimes it doesn't. And when you think about all of those, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. But but if you can, if you can laugh with one another, if I can hear your story, if I if I can cry with you because you know you're challenged with something, and then I can pray with you, I, um, I'm going to be able to help encourage you, um, and you're you're going to feel. You're going to feel my love, and my love is coming out of what the Bible is telling me I should do, um, and I'm living out what God's, you know, God's love. Where you often hear people say that we as believers are Christ's hands and feet. Um, we are the one that actually does it. That it's not, you know, God up in heaven or up in up somewhere, you know, in outer space. It is, it's Him in through us. That I'm able to um, to laugh with and help and cry with and and uh, and, and give money to and service to when um, when my brother or sister is in need and that should happen kind of in um, our development in our spiritual walk. Okay, so what about the fact that you know my brother and my sister are not perfect? What about the person who says, yeah, but. You know, I'm not going over there to that church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites over there. Why? Look at that fellow so-and-so. He goes every week and then he beats his life when he gets home. What do you say to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing is that um, you won't ever find a perfect church because there are no perfect people. I mean, just bottom line, so we just need to just know know that off the bat. Um Secondly, that we need to seek to find a fellowship or community of believers that really follow the Bible, um, really openly addressing the challenges that families face and that are, and you know, congregations that are not afraid to say when behavior is wrong, to openly, you know, recognize um, behavior that's hurting other people, and communities really um, that really have an overall um, credibility. Um, and responsibility to uphold, you know, God's word. I, I also believe that we need to stop using excuses, you know, um, thus kind of keeps people from really finding a healthy environment, you know, kind of creating, um, almost really creating your own healthy environment, going back to the two or three, if that's all you can find. If you're saying, okay, I've looked everywhere and I can't find any place where, there, you know, people are following God's word and there's people that have love and, you know, maybe some, you know, a few faults, of course, but, you know, not beating their wife and people saying that that's okay. <laughs> but uh, if you can't find any place, then create something until, you know, God is able to help you find somewhere else. Or maybe you keep doing that, um, and, you know, for a, a, a significant amount of time. 
And so I, mean, I think that, you know, being able to do that and then, um, you know, also maybe attending, you know, church on, you know, I think that kind of attending church on TV, I was just kind of thinking about that for a minute, that people don't go to church and they say, okay, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to watch television because mm-hmm. that's church. And that's yeah, yeah, but the challenge that. with the, yes, the challenge with that is that we miss a couple of really important co- um, components. Is that we need that fellowship with one another, you know, kind of that physical and spiritual touch that really is essential to human growth. People that say, you know, I don't like being touched, or you know, don't hug me and all that, but people really do. They they need that. I mean, it's scientifically has been proven that people need um, affection. And then um, they'll also miss the ability uh, or miss the mission of being able to contribute kind of focused in their community. So, you know, somebody could live in Den- Denver and they're sending money to a church that's in New York, um, but really the, the inspira- inspirational message is really about receiving um, and being inspired to give your time, your talent, and your treasure right there where your local church is, right where your neighbors are, next door or, you know, down the street. And so um, all of this is really kind of, you know, a part of uh, moving away from, I think, some of the excuses of um, being able to do or be church right where you are, um, regardless of what other people are doing around you. Okay, so to the person who says, okay, Sheila, I tried. I went to this, you know, this one place over here one time. I tried this other place over here this one time, and I've gone to a couple of different places, and I just have not found a place that I clicked with. Uh, And it's not about, and it's not really because of anybody there, because I don't know them well enough. Um, what do you say to that person who says, "Yeah, you know, I went, I went, I went once, and, and gee, that didn't really work out for me." Well, you know, I would say first stop complaining and start uh, explaining. And what I mean by that is really start living the life. You know, be the church that you desire to see. You know, know. Um, what your life manual, what the Bible says that you should be doing, and start living that out, um, loving your neighbors and loving God. I mean, if you just those two principles, if you just do that, love God and love your neighbor, you can start being the church, um, you know, right away. Uh, secondly, uh, stop rehearsing and start researching. Okay, so we we spend more time. <laughs> rehearsing all the negative things about church and why we shouldn't go and all the problems that are there, you know, conversating about that. Um, And what we really could do is start talking to people, praying and asking God to lead us to a place of worship that will bless us and will allow us to bless others. And then thirdly, I'd say um, stop weeding and start seeding. And what I mean by that is that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times, a lot of time is spent um, trying to weed out all the bad people there are in the world and trying to separate ourselves from, you know, everybody that's messed up. But the Bible talks clearly about that wheat and weeds are going to grow up together and that in the end, you know, the weeds are going to be destroyed. But we don't have to worry about that right now. We just need to grow up. We actually can be a wonderful example if we are wheat, which is the, the, what's good, and the weed is what's bad. If we we could actually be wheat um, in the life of someone else where they actually can see that. And so we can, you know, instead of spending all of our energy um, being negative, um, we can be begin to really be a part of the church and planting seeds of truth in the lives of people that are around us. Um, and, and, and it's amazing to be able to watch and see how God can, can grow um, ourselves and others when, when we're able to do that. What about <clears throat> what about those congregations that are seeing people leaving? Because, you know, I have a, a fair number of of pastors and religious teachers that I have encountered that have been on the show or that listen to the show. So what do you say to them if they're one of those people who are seeing this, you know, kind of exodus from their church 
on a on a pretty regular basis and are worried that at some point they might not be viable. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say you know that um I would suggest that they return to the truth of God's word. I mean, just start with that, you know, and reduce the focus on kind of um the the attention around acquisition of new members and you know and really turn their attention if they are leadership you know turn their attention to discipleship or turn their attention to the work of the church um and really be rem, uh, remain unmoved by what other organized religions or churches are doing or even not doing that that really our our job as the individual church, because we are only responsible for, we can only be responsible for ourselves, we can only control ourselves, we can maybe influence somebody else, but we can't control anybody else, that we need to stay purposed for the work that God's called us to do specifically or in concert, you know, with someone else. Okay, so let's flip that around. Okay. To, you know, you look at, you, you watch TV and you see some of these congregations are just huge, thousands, tens of thousands of people. Does that mean that that might be a good spiritual home for me if I'm looking for a church to attend? Uh, definitely not. I, I mean, I believe that um, there are some you know, great, really large churches, but large congregations really can be deceiving. You know, width doesn't always mean depth. And I, I believe that a successful church should be measured by its the, the spiritual maturity of its members, and not the size of its membership. And so, I mean, I think okay. that's key, you know. And so, if you've got spiritually mature members, and that's saying that you know, if, if you got ten thousand members, if they're mature, that means you're able to do the work to disciple them and build them up and help them to grow, you know. Um, but I do know that there is an engagement tool that many large congregations use that are called small groups which really allows a person to get connected to that community with prayer and accountability, you know, that I was kind of talking about earlier. Yeah. Well, in closing out our topic for today, are there any other suggestions we haven't covered that you have for those who are looking for um, a spiritual home to belong to? I Yeah, you know, I was thinking about... Um, uh, you know, just kind of the, the, the show today, and, and I kind of came up with this acronym for um, HOME, so H-O-M-E. So the H is that a person really should just have a heart for and a humility before God, that if they think about, um, you know, their relationship, intimacy with God, importance of being one with him, that it's really that their heart is there and they're humble before him. The O is that they're willing to open their doors to anyone. And so that the church and you as a person, as a part of the church, um, we should believe that um, that we are a part of what we call the spiritual hospital and that all are welcome regardless, you know, of their sin or issues or whatever, that, um, that we should be open and receptive to that, to them. The M is to be mature. Um, we want to be mature, uh, uh, and being able to mature the believer through God's word. And so that should be something that we focus on. And then the E is that we engage the congregation um, for community impact. So we're, when we say congregation, that we're engaging others for the impact and purpose of um, reaching others in our community. Well, thank you with that, uh, Sheila, once again. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Thank you. And listeners, this concludes today's episode. And uh, join us next week when our guest speaker will be Barbara Hoffmeister in the continuation of our Moments to Be series. Our topic will be Do It Anyway. Uh, if you are, If you have dreams, if you have aspirations, things that you would like to do, and you've been procrastinating or fear has held you back, get off your duff and do it anyway, and we're going to give you some tips on how to do that. And uh, in the meantime, we have, uh, I noticed that there are a number of, of you listeners who have been going out to the website, so visit Speedway, uh, the speedwayshow.com 
and post your comments about this and other shows and let us know what you're thinking. If you would like Sheila to address a particular topic or some particular topics, that is the place where you can share that with us as well, and we will do our level best to accommodate that. So until next week, this is Spiwe saying thank you so much for joining us on the show. And tune in next week for another interesting episode. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.